Hello, friends. Welcome to a tradition like none other, and that is the weekly Triple G podcast. I am your host, Stephen Kerr, a.k.a. The Ginger, and we are back this week for a big week on the Triple G schedule, our third annual Masters preview show, and it just keeps getting bigger and better. Um, slight schedule change. We were scheduled to have PGA Tour star fresh off of a T4 finish at the Valero Texas Open right in the mix. I actually thought we were going to have to reschedule because there was a possibility he would be in the Masters field this week. Fell just short. Uh, a couple missed putts coming down the stretch on 16 and 18. Might have changed things a little bit, but we'll catch up with Troy at some point Um you know, over the course of this 2022 season, just didn't happen to be this week, a lot going on, but we've still got a jam-packed schedule ahead of us here, and a great Masters preview, probably our best, um, like we've never done before, um, our best ever, if that's for sure, uh, we've got Jay Delsing, PGA Tour veteran, uh, who's been on site at Augusta, is going to talk to us uh, a lot about Masters preparation, major championship pre preparation, um, how to deal with changes to a golf course, and everything that goes into getting getting them getting ready for a PGA Tour event, but a major championship specifically, and uh, at Augusta National. Then we're going to be joined by John Cook. PGA Tour veteran as well, and played in 15 Masters Championships over the course of his career. And he's going to talk to us about uh, that stroll down Magnolia Lane to uh, a little bit more about preparation and a lot about the golf course and the nuances of Augusta National that uh, you can't truly understand unless you've been on property and more specifically played the golf course as many times as, as John has. And then we're joined uh, to close it off uh, by Stefan Tiedorf. Um, we're going to talk a lot about who we like this week, breaking down the field a little bit more, and uh, getting diving deep into what we feel is going to happen this week, what type of player, what's going to be needed to uh, to go ahead and win this uh, 86th Masters Championship that we are hosting this week at Augusta National Golf Club in Augusta, Georgia. Um, phenomenal event. As we know, it's the yearly annual event that kind of kicks off the spring season uh, in terms of, of golf here in Southern Ontario and fresh off of, um, you know, closing the door, if you will, on, on, uh, an event at the Chevron championship in Rancho Mirage, California last week for the ladies. We, uh, we kick off golf and, and kick off spring here in Ontario with the masters. So, um, kind of on opposite ends of the spectrum here, but you know, this event or Augusta national, was uh was created in 1932 by by um Bobby Jones and uh Clifford Clifford Roberts um designed by uh, Alistair McKenzie absolute masterpiece in terms of uh the green complexes and the bunkering and and everything that that went into um designing Augusta National and all the the thoughts and and nuances like we like we'll talk about with with John but um and it, in creating this event, they they had the image of, you know, really having a world class championship that would be held here um, on a yearly basis, and they were able to do that. And they started that in in 1934, the the first annual, uh, you know, Augusta National Championship, and the Masters was was hosted, and 
it went strong for a good eight years, and and uh, World War II put a put a halt to that, I believe, from forty three to forty five, and then from there on out, we've uh, we've kicked off a Masters from every year since that point in nineteen forty five. Even in that COVID year, we were able to sneak one in late in the year, I believe, uh, early November was when we were able to make that work uh, in 2019, I believe, maybe 20, 2020. But um, just a phenomenal golf course and, and a golf course that has so much thought put into it in terms of um, not only the, you know, the green complexes around Augusta get so much publicity, but for me, it's, it's um, off the tee what is needed in terms of um, the strategy. You, you can hit more than... You can hit numerous different clubs off the tee. For instance, you know, I know, I know the first hole has changed a little bit, but first hole you, de- you don't necessarily need driver, especially for these longer guys. Um, two, you probably want to rip driver. Three, three there's options. Um, seven, there's options. Nine, there's options. Tens, there's there's options. You know, as they've lengthened the golf course a little bit, some of those options have been taken away uh, in terms of. Um, uh, what you want to do, and and we're, we'll get into that with uh, with Jay coming up here shortly, and Stefan for sure in terms of it being a little bit more of a bomber's paradise than I think what was originally designed. But tons of different uh, options off the tee, and more so having to work the ball uh, both ways off the tee. You know, one pr- traditionally you get, you want to hit that the little left to right or fade shot. Two, then you gotta get one turning right to left, and five, you gotta get one turning right to left. And then seven throws you for a loop because the fairway slopes so hard from left to right. Do you want to hit a draw into that to try to hold it straight? Most guys will want to play a little bit of a straight ball or a cut starting up the, the left-hand side. Um, but eight, great par five that, you know, fade off the tee and then you got to draw one around the corner. So within one single hole, you're, you're having to work the ball um, two different ways. And And do you have to work the ball? No, there's a lot of room around Augusta. But by working the ball to what the shot is asking for, it's going to allow the golfer to take advantage of some of the slopes and, and nuances out on. And that, as you can tell, that's my, my key word of the podcast as I've already said it three or four times here, but um, take advantage of some of those slopes, right? And, and use them to your advantage and work the ball into these greens and have them, you know, feed off of some of these slopes and shelves and areas where it may be difficult to get to but if you can get the ball rolling on the ground or hit it into the right area you're going to be able to use the ground to your advantage and that's that's a true Alistair McKenzie design Uh, you look at some of his great tracks over even in Australia from Royal Melbourne and many more Um, that's something that he looks for you will really want to be able to have to work the ball not only off the tee but into the green, hitting the ball into the right spots and the right distances and being able to use the ground and the surfaces towards your advantage. Uh, what he's most known for is the bunkering, and we see that everywhere, right from the first tee shot all the way through on every single hole, uh, two, three, four, five, um, six. Not, not so much six with that front left bunker. doesn't really come into play. To be honest, I don't know if I've ever seen anyone actually hit out of the front left bunker on number six. But, um, you know, seven, uh, eight, um, nine, not so much, but, you know, 10, not so much. And that right, right greenside bunker on 10 comes into play. Uh, 12 for sure 
13, those back left bunkers uh, by the green side. Um, 14, not so much. 15, that that front bunker on the right-hand side. 16, both front right and back and behind. 17, leading up into the green. And, of course, the historic bunkers, Sandy Lyle, 1988, um, on the left-hand side of 18 that have caught so many balls over the years and cost a lot of money and championships to uh, golfers that have gone through. But um, Augusta National, private golf course, membership ranging anywhere, Hard to find a, a lot of information on it, but but what I could find was it's probably somewhere in the range of about two hundred thousand. Could be upwards of about three hundred thousand. Yearly dues are anywhere between twenty five and thirty thousand U.S. dollars. So it's not for the faint of heart. Some of the uh, members, uh, Warren Buffett, Peter uh, Peter Coors, who's uh, obviously you'll you'll know the last name Coors, and then this is uh, Bill Gates as the third, and then this is the Triple G podcast, Gridiron and Golf. You'll know a few of these names. Roger Goodell, Peyton Manning, Lynn Swan, Lou Holtz, Condoleezza Rice, to name a few. Um, definitely some football um, connections there for sure for some of the um, you know famous members at Augusta. In terms of the green jacket, some cool stats um, about the green jacket. Listen, the, green, the current winner is allowed their green jacket off-site for one year. And then once that year is up after they've won their championship, their green jacket has to stay on site um, in the in the locker. They can wear it around the golf course um, or well on site or for the champion's dinner, uh, which looked fabulous, by the way. Kudos to Hideki Matsuyama for putting out an absolutely beautiful, uh, beautiful champion's dinner. We did a poll on our uh, Instagram and uh, kind of astoundingly um, voted that yes, they people loved, absolutely loved the dinner. From what we're hearing from a lot of uh, the past champions is they love the dinner as well. A couple shout-outs on social media this morning to Hideki and um, the variety and that Japanese-themed um, cuisine that he provided the, the past champions uh, at last night's dinner as we uh, record here on early Wednesday um, getting ready for this 86 Masters. But um, yeah, the green jacket was meant originally to m- allow the members to be known who were on site during the week of the Masters to show that, hey, I'm a member at Augusta National. And they still are currently allowed to wear their green jackets. Um, I don't see a lot of them out there via the telecast. I have not had the privilege to go on site at Augusta. I've been in the lottery system for the last six years. But uh, I will get down there someday. But they're allowed it off-site for one year. It returns. Um, other than that, there's been two jackets that I could find out in history that um, have not been returned. The, I believe it was one of the first ones, 1934-35, that uh, before kind of the rules were inception, that have not been returned. And it actually sold in 2013 for $682,000, U.S. American dollars. At the time, the highest price golf memorabilia um, known to man or woman. And uh, so you can imagine that's well over a million dollars at this point in 2022. So that was a good chunk of change back in 2013 and still is for that matter in 2022. And then the other jacket is Gary Player. He is the only person that uh, does not have his jacket on site after a one-year period of time or is the current champion. And Gary's uh, kind of finagled his way via excuses and and a running joke here at Augusta to uh, have his jacket located uh, in his home in South Africa. Three-time champion Gary, 
uh, Gary Player. So some cool stats about the Green Jacket there and and what goes what goes into that. But let's dive into and before we bring uh, Jay on here. But let's dive into um, the field here in the '86 Masters and and a couple of the ties that we have to, um, you know, I call them country ties or what we see at this week's event that we don't necessarily see. Um, the field after Harris English withdrew um, over the course of the weekend due to that hip surgery. We've got a field of 90 players total. We've got uh, 17 past champions. A lot of uh, a lot of guys who are uh, on the Champions Tour in terms of uh, you know you look at Mike Weir, VJ Singh, Freddie Couples, Bernard Longer, um, Jose Mariolo Thabal, a couple guys that are. You know, kind of on their way out. You know, you see the likes of Watson and and um, Nicholas and Player being the honorary starters, but you know, guys like Sandy Lyle uh, probably on one of his last years. Even Olafable probably on one of his last years. We know Ian Woosnam, um has finally decided to uh, to hang it up. And then that next batch of guys is there's really because of the repeat success and repeat champions. You know, you're left with the, the, the Garcias and the Dustin Johnsons and the Zach Johnsons. Um, Larry Mize is another guy that probably is on his way out. He's going to play one of his last events here. Uh, Patrick Reed, Hideki Matsuyama, Charles Schwartzrill, Danny Willett, Adam Scott still playing, Bubba Watson still playing, and then um, the man who still moves the needle 15 deep on a Monday um, still another probably 10 to 12 deep at 8 a.m. this morning for the back nine for his final nine-hole practice round here, and that's uh, Tiger Woods. So 17 past champions in the field of 90. We've got six amateur golfers, uh, Stuart Hagstead, uh, Austin Greaser, to uh, to name a couple of the big kind of amateurs that probably are going to be uh, in the mix for uh, for low amateur for this uh, this event. But we've got 43 Americans. And I believe we've got 18 other countries uh, covered here um, throughout the course of uh, the week. South Africa, England, Canada, Australia, Mexico, Spain, Ireland, Norway, Korea, Cayman Islands as an amateur, Italy, uh, Scotland, Germany, Japan, Chile, Belgium, Fiji, and uh, Austria with Sepp Straka for his win at the Honda earlier in the year. But uh, some of the bigger countries, you know, England, I've always said that England could could host their own Ryder Cup against the U.S. and and they've got eight in the field this week: Tommy Fleetwood, Matt Fitzpatrick, uh, Justin Rose, Tyrrell Hatton, Paul Casey, to name a few. Lee Westwood in there as well. South Africa always well represented. Lucas Herbert, uh, Louis Oosthuizen, Charles Swartzel, to name uh, to name a couple of the big ones. Canada, uh, we're here in Southern Ontario. Got to uh, represent Corey Connors, Matt Hughes, and Mike Weir. So a couple of uh, you know guys like Adam Hadwin, Adam Stevenson, hopefully are going to be able to make their way into this event over the next you know two to five years, and and hopefully we can um, get another champion and get that green jacket north of the border where it uh, where it belongs. Australia is well represented. Um, Connor Davis, Mark Leishman, Minwoo Lee, Adam Scott, to name a couple. Um, Cameron Smith as well. Spain. Garcia, Olathebel, John Rom, John Rom, looking, and, and I'll get into to Rom a little bit. The Irish have four, and they played a practice round. Roy McIlroy, Shane Lowry, Padraig Harrington, and Seamus Power in there. Um, Korea well represented with with three. Sun J M and uh, Siwoo Kim to to name a couple. So um, 
you know, really, really well-represented masters across the board here and a good field. We'll get into, you know, truly what this field is. It's the smallest field in major championship golf. So, um, it's, it's, uh, it, that alone to me, it's not the best field in golf. Let's not kid ourselves here. It, to be honest, it's, it's probably when you look at the open championship, it, it's probably the third best, maybe even fourth best field in golf, um, in terms of major championships and probably barely inside the top six in terms of field quality, uh, maybe even top eight overall in terms of field quality on the PGA tour for, for the course of the year. But, um, what makes it special is it's the same golf course every year. We know where it is. It's, it's a tradition, just like I mentioned, just like Nance says every year, a tradition like none other. And it's just got that special feel and it's got a country, feel to it you, you know you look we mentioned some of those countries that are represented but you look at a country like um south africa with gary player and those players are going to reach out to gary all week they've got charles schwartzel uh one in 2011 trevor Emmelman, he you know he'll be on site a little bit some of those guys some of these guys aren't playing still and they're not doing practice rounds but you you think fellow fellow countrymen are going to reach out to those guys and and their colleagues to pick their brain and and go through these practice rounds. You look at the Spanish connection from Sevi passing it down to Oli, Oli down to Sergio. Will it make it from Sergio down to John Rahm? I, I'd venture over time. I'd have to say it will. You know, Oli wins in '94 and '99. Sergio wins in 2017. You know, these types of connections and and you look at the Scots from Sandy Lyle to now to Robbie McIntyre. Uh, playing in the event so some real cool connections there um the english connections from faldo winning in 89 and 90 and 96 to danny willett in 2016 and, and all the guys in the field there that are gonna talk to each other and and play with each other and and tr really try to pick their brain to to right here in our own backyard to the canadian connection every year now mike weir passing that knowledge down to Corey connors and mackenzie hughes and and these guys and and it's just such a special, special week that way because the knowledge is shared and the, and there's a passing of the torch, if you will, from that perspective, from um, you know the lessons and and all of the um, testimonials and and the experience of being on Augusta National. And you're going to see that later on in my picks of how important the experience is. But uh, without me blabbering on for too much longer, let's get in. Let's get in Jay Dels Delsing, golf with Jay Delsing, been on site at Augusta National. He uh, PGA Tour veteran. Let's bring him in and chat about his thoughts on the 2022 and the 86 Masters. All right, Triple G listeners, let's give a welcome back to PGA Tour veteran, Champions Tour veteran, and host of Golf with Jay Delsing. Jay Delsing, Jay, welcome back to the show. Big week. I know uh, I reached out to you in a pinch, and you came in uh, through in the clutch for me. So, welcome into the show, and and thanks so much for joining us. Oh my gosh! Anytime. Uh, uh, the only thing I could take away from that entry is that I'm a veteran. It means I'm getting damn old. I'll tell you. <laughs> well, you're still just as good as you ever were in my mind. So uh, let's let's fire into this. This is a big week. I know that you've uh, you've been involved with major championships in, in your career and and also <laughs> covering them. Let's start on uh, you know to steal steal something from from your show, if you will. Let's start on the range. Um, with Augusta National and and what these guys are getting ready for this week, 
Is there any alterations in, in the preparation? And what are these guys, what, what are they doing on these practice rounds? They know this golf course really, really well. Give our listeners an idea of, you know, what they're going out there to look at, what they're, what they're kind of practicing for and, and what their mind state is uh, leading into the tournament. Yeah. <clears throat> Thanks. So Steph, what's interesting is when you get to Augusta, the first thing you do for your first 18 holes around there is to check out what sort of little nuances and what sort of things they've added or taken away from the years before. You know, these are the guys that overnight put in a 70 foot tree. You know, you got to remember they had unlimited access financially and then which, which provides them with basically unlimited access to anything. And so anything these guys want to do, they do. They wind up buying a hole from Augusta Country Club, which uh, sits on the adjacent side of the property. And they're going to extend, eventually extend the 13th tee back. So your first trip around is to kind of take in any of nuances that they've, that they've added. But the biggest thing and the hardest thing about Augusta is the mental screw that's in your head. Okay. And what I mean by that is this is the only venue that doesn't change every year. We know first couple weeks of April, we know where the golf world is and we know what course they're playing. That's right. We know where the Sunday pin, <coughs> gosh darn it, excuse me. We know where the Sunday pin placements are. We know every daggone thing there is to know ahead of time, which is not the case when you go to say Pebble Beach or when you go to Oakmont or when you go, I mean, you know, there's, there's, there's been, the players have had breaks between championships that are hosted there, but that is not the case at Augusta. So when you watch the practice rounds at Augusta, Steph, everybody is doing the same thing. They're, they're pitching from the same areas. They know the areas to avoid. They're trying to, um, figure out a plan. Now there'll be alterations in each individual's plan per their strengths and weaknesses in their games, but they know, look, you can't get, you can't hit it to the right on 16 when that flagstick is up there in that top shelf, it's an automatic bogey or double bogey. And you can't hit it, you know, above the flagstick. You can't hit it left of the flagstick on 11 without the ball, you know, 80% of the time going into the water, things like that. That's what, that's what guys are going through right now. Yeah, that makes sense, and and you're you're bang on in terms of some of the changes. You know, we're, I know they've got a new tee in on eleven, and um, there's a change on fifteen. I believe it's a new tee as well on on fifteen. Um, so you're right, just changing some of those, you know, tee shot angles. A couple of the green complexes have uh, have been redone as well. So I guess it's kind of getting familiar with those as well. Yeah, I mean, because those, if you're not, and you're not plugged in and not in tune, those things can cost you the championship. If, if uh, So, yeah, there's different sight lines to take with different team grounds and, and all sorts of things like that. And, and with those changes come adjustments and also come some modifications that you're not exactly sure what it's going to be like until you actually get out there and playing in it. Yeah. But for the biggest part of it is, Bud, is that it's the mental – um, I call it the screw that it just messes with your brain because you know where things are going to be. You know what to expect. Now there's going to be slight differences in weather and things like that. Maybe even dramatic differences in weather, but you can never control those. You just try to be prepared for those the best you can, but it's just a matter of 
who can do it when they need to do it. Every single bud, bud, look at it this way. Every single person in the field knows how to play number 12. Yep. They know where to aim. No mystery. No mystery at all. Can you do it? That's what kills you. Yeah, that, that you're, you're bang on there for sure. Um, in terms of, you know, and I'm, I'm sure we'll get further into it with, with the Tiger effect. And I know me and you spoke off air that it's, it's uh, you know, he announced just minutes ago that he's, he's going to play here. But do you think these guys, like I hear Rory talk this morning, and it almost sounds like they, they are so happy to have him <laughs> back, out, back out here for this event because their preparation to me becomes a lot easier in terms of, you know, you see the crowds yesterday for, for Tiger's practice round and everybody to a man, woman, child is falling around Tiger Woods. Guys like Rory McIlroy and Xander Shoffley and DJ and even Bubba and, and some of these guys that, you know, have not only contended but won at Augusta can now go ahead and prepare and be on their own all week, not having people out there, you know, uh, chasing them around and, and asking for autographs and distracting them and doing all those things. To me, some of these guys now can slide under the radar. Does that, does that make sense? Oh, yeah, it makes sense. But it also brings a lot of attention, uh, more attention to the tournament, Steph. And um, all these guys love that. Plus, there's not a guy in the field that doesn't want to win this championship with Tiger in it. They want to beat the best. No, make no mistake about it. They're not afraid of Tiger. They're just, they just want to beat the best. And, and you know, he's the best right now. Yeah, for sure. Um, in terms of, of, of the golf course, and we, you know, we touched briefly on, on the changes, but, you know, I wanted to ask get, or get your thoughts on the changes over time and what we've seen, in, and you can almost go back all the way to 1997 and now to current here in 2022 in this 86 Masters. Has, has Augusta become a bomber's paradise? Or, or can somebody like a, a Zach Johnson, a Mike Weir, somebody that's, you know, got their wedge game really, really sharp and is going to lay up on a, you know, three out of four of these par fives and, 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 you know, attack with their wedge game, still win this golf tournament? Or is this, a, a you know, truly a bomber's paradise and, and the John Roms and the, the guys that are absolutely bombing out there, are they kind of going to rise to the top here? I, I, think that, I think the latter more than the former. I, I will never take, you know, and, and totally discount someone with the sort of game like a Zach Johnson, and I know you're talking about more modern day Zach because Zach's kind of passed it to, to be able to challenge for this championship um, at his age. But I, I, I think it just lends itself to much more length than maybe it even should, Steph. But that's, the, that's, that's where we are with the PGA Tour, that the birdies are selling and the bombing and the gouging and, and – um, I don't know if you're familiar with Decade Golf, but you ought to check it out. Scott Fawcett has created um, a, an entire system that a lot of the tour players use, uh, that Tiger himself used. He's got something in there uh, called the Tiger Five. And it's interesting where these guys have figured out through the numbers, through the fact that Tiger came on tour and brought all this attention, brought all this extra money, brought, you know, when you think about and look at what Tiger's done to the game, he's done the equivalent of what Wayne Gretzky did for the NHL. I know you're a hockey fan like I yeah. am, but it's, it's really interesting because he's raised everybody's water level. And with golf, we now have all these advanced metrics, these strokes gained formulas, all these things, but that was never around 
before Tiger. And it would have never come around unless someone like Tiger brought all this attention, hence money, hence scrutiny, and all these other things to the table that make it really, really interesting now. And so um, what you'll see is that it's really going to be almost impossible for a guy like, take a guy like Kevin Kisner. Yep. I love Kiss. He's a, a great guy. He was my Just pick a- down at down at Dell. Wasn't a real hard pick because he's such a He's such a uh, just a bulldog. He's just a bulldog when he gets yeah. into match play situations. But he's going to really struggle at Augusta because he's going to be hitting in longer irons to these uphill shots. He's not a high ball hitter anyway. And because of this extra length and because of all these, these challenges are enormous and pretty much insurmountable. I mean, a guy like Webb Simpson is another uh, guy that's really going to struggle to try to compete at Augusta with these other guys. He doesn't have, he doesn't carry the ball as far. He needs really hard, dry, fast conditions. Now, what Kisner and guys like Webb Simpson bring to the table that some of the other guys don't is really, really great expertise around the greens. You know, these guys are exceptional putters, but I believe that the, the tournament sets up much better for the Brooks Kepkas and the John Roms of the world, the DJs, because they're going to carry their ball so much further in the air. They just have to have all their ducks in a row and all their stars aligned around the greens to, to make it work. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, and we, we've talked about Tiger, and, and to me there's, you know, as much scrutiny as there's been around him, there is a figure to me, and this is just maybe my personal opinion, that that is missing this week and and that is phil mickelson do you think this masters is going to miss phil or do you think the tiger <clears throat> hype will just completely overshine it because you know as much as everything that that happened and we don't need to, to dive into it i just want to look get your thoughts more specifically on do you think he'll be missed just this week alone well i think i think we all as golf fans miss some with someone with that sort of game and that sort of talent or at least at one time right i mean mm-hmm. Phil wins and becomes the oldest major champion last year. But, Steph, think about this. The last two players, the best players on the PGA Tour for the last 30 years, besides being the worst drivers of the ball, maybe ever. These guys are terrible drivers of the ball. They have created so much drama. And something that is really not the norm when it comes to professional golf. Now, were there things going on all the time back in the old days? Of course there were, but we didn't have all the media. We didn't have all these outlets for people to, you know, dive in. Tiger Woods has his private jet. They have a tracker Tracker, on his private jet. So whenever (laughs) his jet takes off, people are all in an uproar. It's just absolutely amazing to me. And, And, you know, Phil, Phil's out of money. Phil's doing this. Phil's getting divorced. Phil's getting... All of these things that are just, they're more tabloid than anything else, you know, and Tiger with all of his dalliances and things like that and indiscretions. And now it's public information and, it, and it's, it's just hard to not live in that world somewhere, you know, and address it somewhere along the line um, because it's such a part of our everyday life anymore. But, man, I, I would like to see Phil in the field. But, you know, I feel like Phil's really struggling to try to stay relevant. And it's really not becoming of him. This whole Saudi thing, some of the stupid comments that he made, 
you know, it's just time that he he's he I'm glad he's stepping back. Hopefully he's gonna pull his head out of the butt and, and just figure that, you know, everything he's done is he should be really proud of that. And if there's no more, there's no more. Yeah. But turn the, the, the pass the torch, do it in a nice uh, in a in a in a gentlemanly way that suits our game. Could stop trying to be bigger than everybody else in that, and just you know if or keep working hard and try to stay relevant. But do it with your game, not with all this the, the, all these stupid comments. Hey, I won the player you know incentive program, and it turns out. He didn't win the player incentive That's program. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? I mean, you know, we just we're just not used to those kind of. He, he's just been playing fast and loose with his words and some of these things for a while, and unfortunately, I think they've all caught up to him. But personally, I would love to see him in the field. Yeah, me, me too. You know, it. it I, I think it, it would like you. You mentioned it and you touched on it. There is the two best players that we've seen in, in this, you know, recent era here in the, in the two thousands and to have them in the field, whether they're on their a game or not, just would have added that, uh, that little extra touch for, for sure. Um, in terms of, you know, looking at the golf course again, and you mentioned you felt that, that, um, you know, it, it was a bomber's paradise and somebody, the ROMs and the Kepkas of the world kind of, kind of had the advantage leading into the week. Do you feel um, that a certain shot shape off the tee would also add to that advantage. Like, you know, I, I, talking with John Cook, he, uh, a couple of weeks ago on, on the podcast, he mentioned, you know, somebody that's got the ability to turn the ball right to left, which he struggled with a little bit at times in his career, uh, really has that advantage. Do you think that also comes into play? You know, maybe somebody like a Rom may struggle because he likes to hit that power cut off the tee. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think so. You know, and, and John is such a great guy and a great champion, Unreal. great ambassador for golf. My gosh, it's wonderful that you had him on the show. He, um, y- you know, because of the modern day equipment and because of um, some of the power that these guys have, you're, what you're talking about is hold like on holes number two, on hole number 10, uh, hole number uh, 15. It really is nice if you can get that ball moving from right to left. But what I, when I was there and observing a lot of these guys would take their three wood, especially on number 10, even though the hole's 480 yards long, it's so dramatically downhill and, and wind up hitting three woods that are easier to turn over or also can give them a little different sight line off that tee and not have to worry about curving it as much. One of the things that and John's right. Those shots are definitely preferred on those holes. They, they are preferred quite a bit. But because there's some room at Augusta, um, you can still try and hit certain shots like that. If you're in control of your golf ball, these golf balls and these players don't curve the ball much anymore, Stuff. Yeah. So, you know, these guys can, can get up on the, on the second hole and try to smash you know, uh, uh, a hard straight ball down the right, and it's going to be okay. I mean, look, it's not ideal, but th- there's the, the power that these guys have um, gives them other options that even for a guy like me when I was playing and I was super powerful at, at, at my generation, um, we, you know, we didn't have. The, the ball just is a missile, and it just goes forever, yeah. and, and it gives them a lot of different options. So they might – a lot of guys will bring in a strong three wood for this week as well, just for that reason, you know, and maybe instead of a 15 and a half, 
degree three wood. They'll go to a 13 or a 12 degree three wood specifically for a couple of those tee shots, like two and 10. Yeah. And you're, you're onto something there too, because I think, you know, if you go back into the the nineties and the eighties, the I think that had that, that shot shape had a little bit more of a premium because you needed to take advantage of the slopes because you're right. The ball wasn't flying as far. So you had to turn it right to left to get the ball running on, like you said, on two and 10, and then it runs with that slope. And then you're maximizing that advantage and you're maximizing that yardage as compared to now. I think you're right. I think you can on some of these holes, hit some of that and fly it into those Hills and you're not really losing all that much. Does that make sense? Oh no, absolutely. You're, you're spot on. The other thing that, that is really interesting, but is that what is the condition of the golf course in terms of firmness? So yep. when you get firmness, now they have the sub-air system where they can actually extract moisture from the greens to keep those more uh, more consistent. But in the fairways, when the fairways at Augusta get firmer, the driving because becomes much more difficult because of the undulation, because of all the little knobs and little bumps and, and things, the ball will easily roll out of the fairway when it's firm. And that's one of the things that for bombers, when it gets soft, that's one of the reasons why the scores go so go down so much. Because the fairways in effect and effectively are much wider because the ball's hitting and plugging and only releasing a couple of yards compared to say for an example in number 10. When you're when 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 it's wet and you hit it down the right. Your ball's going to hit soft and, and trickle out, maybe go to the first cut, maybe not if the ball's not turning over. If it's dry, it goes down to where Bubba Watson hit that incredible shot from years ago into those magnolia trees. Yeah, and so right. a lot of difference. Uh, um, they don't talk much about that around there, but that's a big deal when that golf course plays dry. When that golf course plays dry, the scores are much, much higher. Yeah, and, and you, you nailed one hole, and I, I just off the top of my head, I think about the same on a hole like five. If you get that ball too far up the right and it's firm, all of a sudden now you're into the pine straw or into the trees with some tree trouble. Same with seven with that sloped fairway from left to right. Yep. You know, you get a ball fading and, and it takes two two kicks to the right, and next thing you know, you're you're in the pines and having to pitch out into those front bunkers or short of those front bunkers on a hole like seven. So you're, well, you you're, see that all the time too, Steph, yeah. on number eight, when it's when it's dry and firmer, they're avoiding the bunker for those players who can't fly the, the bunker on the right, and they wind up in the pine straw left, left. which is okay. a massive amount of right to left they need to put on that next shot to get it anywhere near that green. Perfect. Yeah, you're 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 definitely on to something there for sure. Um, one more question before we let you go here, Jay. I appreciate your time. Who do you, who do you like this week? Who do you who do you got your eye on? Who do you fancy you know i i I have a a personal affinity for for jordan spieth i just love him as a human being i love watching him he's gone he's kind of had an incredibly diverse career in a few years and what i mean by that he's gone and ripped off you know u.s opens and masters and british opens and etc etc and then he's gone into kind of like this golf hell where we're like oh my gosh is he ever going to come back and then he's won again and I know he has such a, um, a love for uh, uh, Augusta National and the tournament. I went off of him as my early pick and went to um, Brooks Kepka. And I'm not a huge Kepka fan. I just have a weird feeling that 
you know, he's um, this guy has has been able to raise an, uh, the level of his game for these bigger tournaments, and um, it wouldn't surprise me if he was able to do that now. But I, I got to tell you, it's hard picking these winners. It is not easy. No, no, you're you're bang on, Jay. Uh, I know you had uh, we talked off air. You had Scott McCarron on the on the show this week. Um, if listeners, if you haven't had the opportunity, go check out golf with Jay Delson. He's got some great guests on there. He's got a Ben Crenshaw interview coming up as well. Jay, thanks for helping out in a pinch. Enjoy the masters and, uh, give us one final update. What's happening with, uh, with your event in St. Louis. I know some big things, uh, are occurring. Are you going to be on site this year again for the Ascension and, uh, give our listeners a little update uh, with that event. Well, first of all, thanks so much for having me on and come on anytime. Love talking golf and love this Sunday at Augusta, you know, watching, watching the whole, all the drama unfold. Um, the Ascension Charity Classic is going to be a, a bigger and better event this year than it was next. Thank you for this plug. Um, we're having, last year we had Jack Nicholas and Tom Watson play with uh, Coach Craig Berube and the wonderful uh, Ozzie Smith in, in kind of this champion's tribute on saturday and this year we're going to have nancy lopez and lee trevino are already booked and we've got some other big names that should be announced very soon so i am uh, kind of going to be uh there's another fellow from st louis his name is jay williamson really nice guy he and i are going to be competing for one exemption spot we both played so i wish we could swear on the podcast but I'll, i'll refrain from doing that we played so lousy last year um I didn't feel like I really deserved another exemption, but the guys at, uh, at Ascension said, we'll let you guys go to the qualifier and whoever shoots the lowest score between you guys, that doesn't make it, you know, you'll, you'll, we'll give you an exemption. And th- that's more than fair because really all I have to beat is Jay Williamson, who hasn't beaten anybody really in 15 years. <laughs> and all he has to do is beat my old ass and I haven't beat anybody in 20 years. So yeah. both of us are feeling like it's, that's, that's kind of a fun thing. Uh, you know what? It's a small world. I ended, I ended up, uh, I followed around Jay Williamson for, for nine holes at the uh, Samsung Canadian PGA Championship uh, up here, uh, actually about 20 minutes from where we are, uh, just north of Toronto. So a nice. small world and, and Jay's a, a really good guy. He spent, a, you know, a cup of coffee with him after after the nine uh, as a youngster. I would think I was 13 at the time. So that wasn't when he fired his cat or when his caddy quit on him, was it? No, no, it wasn't. Wasn't that one? No, but that was up in Canada. That was up in Canada. One of one of the weeks we were one of the weeks there. for sure. So, but uh, thanks again, Jay. Uh, always great talking uh, golf with you, and especially the Masters. Enjoy your week, and uh, we'll catch up soon. Same to you. Best to you, to you and your new family. And uh, uh, yeah, it'll be fun to see what what happens here. Amazing job there by Jay, really talking about preparation and that mental block and and the thought of um, the mental screw. And, and it's so true in terms of how you can have it at courses that you've played or courses that you've had success with. Um, you find that a lot here at Augusta. And we're going to talk with, with John Cook about it um, as we bring him on. And we're going to go back to back on this next one, folks. We're going to um, go John Cook and Stephen Tiedorf back to back. So you will not hear from me in between those two interviews. We'll cut directly to them. But um, the success, the, the continuous success that you see from certain golfers around Augusta, and I'm going to talk to John about that. Um, John didn't have the best record at Augusta. He's the first one to admit it. And I want to kind of pick his brain on how come we see 
golfers have the success? Is it the golf course? Is it this mental screw of knowing where the trouble is and knowing where it's not and, and how to mentally deal with that? So really excited to see that. But thanks again for uh, Jay for joining us. If you have an opportunity, check out Golf with Jay Delsing. Um, great interviews. He had Scott McCarron on last week. He's got Ben Crenshaw on this week. Let's bring in to kind of secondary or second interview here to um, our Masters preview show. And let's uh, cut over to John Cook and follow it up with Stefan Tiedorf before we close this thing out with my picks for the 86th Masters. We'll catch you on the flip side. All right, Triple G listeners, let's welcome back to the show. He was with us just a few weeks ago. We had a great chat, and I figured I'd reach back out to him again. 15 uh, Masters tournaments that he's played in, tons of experience on the PGA Tour. Thought I would pick his brain. Let's welcome back uh, John Cook. John, welcome back, and thanks for coming on today. Oh, my pleasure. Good to be with you. And um, it's, a, it's a big week, obviously, in the, <laughs> in the world of, of golf, and it's Masters week. I know it, uh, it gets everybody excited, but, uh, John, you, you've been on property umpteen amount of times. How special is it to ha- take that stroll down Magnolia Lane? And what's a regular week like at Augusta leading up to it throughout the course of the week? You know, how does, how does that play out? Well, I, I'll tell you, I was fortunate enough to, to play in 1979 as an amateur. Um, so I had that experience going for me. I got to spend... You know, one night in the crow's nest, um, played my practice rounds that, that year um, with uh, my mentor, Ken Venturi, Tom Weiskopf, and Ed Sneed. And if you remember, 1979, that was the year Ed Sneed had a pretty good chance to win at Augusta. Um, and, uh, you know, I learned so much just by, just by walking around. Um, you know, being being with uh, those three, especially Kenny and, and Tom uh, Weiskopf, uh, has such great history around there. And I, I just, I was a sponge. I literally was a sponge, just soaking everything in I possibly could um, and felt like I learned a lot. But I also felt like I belonged there. It, You know, it was so interesting that, you know, the Masters Committee really, really t- takes care of the amateurs. They really would like to have an amateur you know, win the event or, you know, just, you know, good showings that, you know, that's, uh, you know, they made that known like straight away that uh, we were important there. They, we were important to them and we felt that way. So I, I had nothing but great experiences every time I went back um, and I, you know, I played good that year. I made the cut in 1979 as an amateur, went back. Uh, my next year was in 81 and, uh, Played all right. You know, I had this kind of love, love hate relationship with Augusta. I loved it and it did not like me very much. I didn't have a very good record around there. I don't know why I had, didn't have a very good record. Um, I think I loved it so much, to be quite honest, that uh, I would over prepare myself during the week. And uh, by, by Thursday, I was, I'd played my best golf on Monday and Tuesday. Yeah, no, and that's that's quite easily done. Um, leading up to the week, what what was what did a what did a typical week look like? Was it was it a traditional? Has as much changed from that perspective in terms of, you know, guys showing up on on Sunday afternoon and, and playing a little bit, and then they're you know get the majority of their work in on on Monday and Tuesday, and then kind of uh, 
gear up uh, for Thursday and have a nice relaxed day on Wednesday. Yeah, that would be the normal way. Um, I, I pretty much played the week before. It was either, uh, I can remember playing in Greensboro the week before, um, maybe somewhere else. And I usually played Greensboro. I always played pretty good there. So um, that was always, I felt like that was a good prep for me. And uh, I would get my equipment, I'd get my bag ready the week before. So when I got to Augusta, all I was doing was getting familiar with uh, the pitching areas, uh, any, any, any slight changes that might have been made. Uh, I didn't feel like I needed I, – I don't know why I did this. I, I question myself to this day on – I was always really prepared going in. I don't know why I kept trying to over-prepare. And, and, and by the time I got to Thursday, I was pretty, pretty well-baked. Um, I was just so excited and ready to go, but, um, yeah, the preparation during the week is just that you get your work done on uh, Monday and Tuesday. Uh, you either play, you know, maybe 18 Monday, maybe nine holes, Tuesday, nine holes, Wednesday, play the par three, uh, and then get ready. And that's pretty, pretty standard. I think for just about everybody. Yeah. John, why do you think we see such a, like like you mentioned it, you know you you loved it, and it might have not lo- you know loved you in return, if you will. <laughs> but why do you think we see certain guys always have success there? Like, it, is it? And I, I know that's kind of how the PGA Tour works a little bit. Like you can pick and choose the golf mm-hmm. courses, and and guys tend to you know gravitate to the golf courses that they've had success at in the past. Um, but Augusta just seems that next level where it's just. Guys are a lot of repeat champions. Guys went, you know, the Faldos and the Langers and 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 Tiger and Phil and and these guys tend to win two or three, four times, five times, six times. Uh, in the case of Jack, but not only are they winning, but there's a lot of the times they're they're top tening numerous times, and and there just seems to be a, a habitual success for certain guys. Is it is it the golf course? Is it just those types of players, or why do you why do you think we see that so much around Augusta? You know, it's, it's hard it's hard to figure what the perfect formula is around there. But I do know one thing: you have to be a ball striker. You have to understand um, and use your imagination. There's so much slope. You do not have to shoot at flag sticks. You you shoot at slope and let the slope. Uh, contain the golf ball and when you understand that and you can hit the proper shape uh, into the hole locations uh, then you can play well around there it do, you don't have to be super aggressive jack was you know a very conservative player tiger always trying to hit the correct shot not not being overly aggressive but hitting the correct shaped shot um so uh, you know those type of players are the ones that you know they have great patience they have great preparation and they're ready to go when they get on property, whether it be um, you know Sunday or Monday, and that's why I think you 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 see the Faldos, um, you know, great patience, shaper of the golf ball, didn't try to do too much, uh, a nice pitcher of the golf ball, didn't have to be a great putter. Um, you don't have to be a great putter around there. You have to know exactly where you need to be. You have to be solid from three to four feet because you're going to have a lot of those, uh, those putts around Augusta national. So, uh, anybody that could strike their golf ball, uh, shape it correctly and have the patience, uh, to play around there. That, uh, that's exactly what the, the, uh, formula is. Yeah, you're, you're right. It's, it, it is a myth of the, you know, 
because of the the slick greens and some of the slopes, people think, oh, you know, you gotta you gotta be a wizard around the greens and a you know a, a miraculous putter and a you know a top putter to to win. And when you look at the champions, a, a lot of them are up there in greens and regulation. Yeah, you know, strokes uh, strokes gained from tee to green before yep. they even hit, hit the green. You're right. Exactly. Yeah, that's one, the, one thing, that's it. One thing I think you you really keyed in on and for me and, and i kind of wanted to pick your brain is, is on the golf course um you mentioned patience and i find out of all those players that that you mentioned there and especially some of the winners they all have an innate ability to hit the hit the big shots or or find those key holes um and take advantage of those holes and when you look at, at the faldos and the nicholases and the woods is like you mentioned and and freddie they all, I find Augusta, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, and I'd love to get your thoughts on it. I find it, it's almost, you can almost um, group the golf course together, if you will. You know, you've got a tough starting hole on one, but then there's some scoring opportunities on two and three. And then you try to, you know, manage the storm a little bit on four through seven. And then all yep. of a sudden, eight and nine are, are available. Then you've got to get through 10, 11, 12 at Amen Corner, but then 13 through 16, there's available so i find the golf course is very grouped in terms of okay i can score on this little batch of holes i need to you know hold hold water or hold my own on this batch of holes and i find those when it comes to the winners they're very good at being able to keep afloat on the tough holes and take advantage of those birdies holes does that make sense yeah absolutely 100 percent. and that's why you know you see a mark omera uh, play well around there a number of times not just you know when he won he he always played the most difficult holes efficiently didn't need to make birdies but he was never uh, out of position and 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 making pars on those holes that you exactly the holes that you said that grouping of holes at uh, at three you know uh, four five um six seven you get the little to get to eight then you have that tough stretch of nine through twelve you know, yep. then you have some birdie opportunities and, you know, that's what those great champions did. And, you know, the Faldos um, just kind of pieced together the round. They understood that they're going to get their opportunities. They're going to get their shots, just, you know, take advantage of those opportunities and then hit quality golf shots on, on those difficult holes. And that's what those great players were able to do is hit, don't have to hit perfect shots. You just have to hit quality golf shots and keep yourself, you know, on, on the correct side and the correct side could be over the back of the green. Correct side mm -hmm. could be short, could be right or left. You have to understand that, you know, at the, at the, uh, you know, at, at the 14th hole, you can never be short there. Always long is always better. Um, you know, left or right, depending on where the hole location is. Uh, same with, um, 11, so, a lot of those holes, you have to understand where the miss is and be efficient around the greens, make your three and four footers, and then take advantage of those oppor those scoring opportunities. Yeah. Last time we, we spoke, John, a few weeks ago, we were, we, and we just kind of got to scratching the surface on, um, you know, somebody that's, that's close to you. And I know you talk to a lot and that that's uh, Patrick Cantley. What would you, or what have you told Patrick Cantley about Augusta? Um, you know, how would you kind of get him prepped and ready to go in terms of some advice uh, leading into this week? Because you know what? He's a guy, to me, he's on my radar. He's yeah. Fly he's flying underneath. That he is. Yeah. Because of because of the big cat and, and the old sheriff is, is back in town <laughs> in, in Tiger Woods. But, um, you know, I think Patrick Cantley's got just as good a shot to win this golf tournament as anybody in the field. 
Um, you know, what would you say to him or what have you said to him to, to get him ready to go for this week? Well, he certainly has all the shots to play around Augusta. He understands the, uh, the slope. Uh, he's getting better and better at his wedge game. Um, he's not trying to overshape the ball so much. He's just trying to hit the correct shot. You know, a little high hold, little drop shots, uh, little dinky draws when you need it. Um, you know, f- f- controlling your trajectory with your wedges, controlling your shape with your wedges. Uh, basically, for him, he hits the ball so you know so flush that you know it's all about distance control for Patrick. And around Augusta, it doesn't matter what you hit into these these greens. Uh, your, for your approaches, it's where you put the ball and and being able to hit the correct shape. You go in high, do you go in low? Do you you use the bank? Do you cut up against the bank? Uh, and that's just that's learning uh, around there. I know he played well there a couple years ago, and and a couple weeks before, we really worked on distance control with wedges and and trajectory and shape. Um, and really haven't said much to him uh, since then because he's kind of understood that. So he's constantly working on. Short irons and proper shape, not swinging the ball so much from right to left, kind of hitting those little drop shots, those little check and hold shots, uh, which you need to control your spin around there as well. So um, he, I think you're right too. I, I just got, just got, we've been texting back and forth with uh, he and his coach, Jamie Mulligan. And I said, yeah. it's kind of nice that uh, I feel like PC's under the radar a little bit. And Jamie just went, word <laughs> exactly and that's <laughs> it makes him a little more comfortable um that he's not the guy uh he he's handled it very well the success from last year he's handled it very well the early part of this year with the number of top tens couple chances to win uh he didn't play very well at the players but you know he tried to figure out what went wrong uh he just kind of got caught on the wrong side of the draw there but yep. um his game is in a good spot he's a little bit under the radar he loves augusta national and uh, he's he's kind of learning it uh, as, as we go along. Yeah, you're right. And, and if it wasn't for, you know, the hottest golfer uh, in the world in the last, you know, seven, yeah. ten weeks in Scotty Scheffler, he would have had a, you know, a pretty easy victory at, at Waste Management as yes. well. Right? So, exactly. Yeah. So he's, he's right in, in good position. And I think I think there's a few guys that, you know, I've, I've heard um, the likes of, uh, you know, Rory McIlroy earlier in the week, I believe maybe yesterday or Monday even speak upon that in mm-hmm. terms of some of these crowds um, floating around for Tiger. Um, I, I, what are your opinions on it? Did you like that as well? Because I know in, in your Masters appearances with some of some of the big names that you would have been going head-to-head against, it would have been a very similar scenario. Um, how did you feel about the crowds at Augusta? Were they, were they always pretty respectful, or was it tough at times when some of these larger crowds kind of trying to navigate around the property could that can that affect um certain guys well it, it certainly can um I, I think you know your monday tuesday wednesday uh patrons are are different than the thursday friday saturday sunday um th- monday through you know wednesday basically you know it's practice rounds we, we actually called it pros on parade because people were <laughs> there were so many people out there and i would play my the last few years that I did play at Augusta uh, I would play with Tiger and Mark um, and then somebody else would join us maybe an Adam Scott or you know somebody else would join us but um, and the people were you know when Tiger came along and he got more and more popular and and doing more and more great things people were kind of getting 
getting crazy to be, to be quite honest. They, yep. they, it really felt like you were, you know, you were on parade out there and you were part of, part of them. And you could, you could see where, you know, their, their ties were lying. And that certainly was with Tiger Woods. And that was fine. Um, when you got to Thursday through Sunday, uh, and unfortunately I didn't have my best runs, so I wasn't really in part of that crowd. Um, you know, coming down the stretch, uh, I think the last time I really had a chance to win was, you know, probably 87. Um, and you could certainly feel the energy. There's no doubt about it. Yep. Um, so yeah, it's just a matter of, you know, if you're comfortable in those uncomfortable situations, you can get it done. And certainly some players that, um, you know, you wouldn't have expected to be winners at Augusta have handled it greatly. Um, Charles Schwartzel, you know, birdie in whatever, four of the last five, or Danny Willett on a really, really difficult golf course that year, uh, outlasting the field shooting five under on Sunday and, and blowing by everybody. Um, but they handled it very well. So it, it just depend, depends on your makeup and, and how comfortable you are uh, when you get to that back nine on Sunday. That is uh, the, or the second nine. They call it the second nine on Sunday. Um, if you're if you're comfortable in that situation, you're going to handle it pretty well. Yeah, you're right. And you know what? Even uh, even though we didn't win, a Chris DeMarco, you know, going certainly ahead, you know, another guy, and a guy that I that I liked going into the week that I saw, you know, necessarily maybe not the best draw for him, and 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 something that I might be worried about or look upon is a guy like you know Louis Oosthuizen. Mm-hmm. Who's, who's got the makeup to go ahead and win this tournament, but you know, it's going to take a lot of energy and a lot of mental fortitude to first off, get through the first two rounds with the circus uh-huh. uh, with, with tiger. And then, and then if you do find yourself in contention after all that, now you've got the weekend crowd um, just because you are in contention. So for me, I'm looking at a guy like Louie and Joaquin Naaman that, you know, they're going to have to deal with these crowds for, for four consecutive days no matter if they're in contention or if they are in contention, it'll be, you know, definitely two days, if not four days, if they, if they are in the top 10. Yeah. I, I love Louis Uthazen around Augusta national. He, he's been on that big stage. He's handled it very well. Uh, a lot of the times he, it wasn't from something that he did uh, or didn't do on to, to not win. It's for what somebody else was doing against him. And, mm-hmm. Uh, I, I like his game around there. He hits it far. He's a great putter. Uh, he's very patient. He, he kind of looks the looks the part. He's been on that stage many times there at Augusta. Uh, I, I think that uh, Louis would be a, a great kind of under the radar guy to have on your on your pick team, uh, whatever category he might be in. Um, there's no doubt about it that uh, that Louis is is primed and, and ready. And uh, don't think it's past his prime yet. I think he's still right in it. I think he's still, uh, still, you know, has that type of game and that determination to go out and win. So um, I think that that's a great pick. Joaquin Neiman, he, he, you know, he runs hot and cold. I mean, he could he could catch fire that week, you know, the way that he did at uh, at Riviera and just yep. you know blow the field away, um, because he is certainly dynamic I and mean, he's certainly young and he's certainly capable. Uh, but like you said, they have to contend with uh, four days of being in that on that stage, and can they handle that? Well, we'll see. Yeah, John. One last question before we before we let you go here. Um, how come? And you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but how come at this event we see a lot more um, mentorship, if you will, 
Um, I don't know if it's just more displayed on the on because it's Augusta and the Masters, and that's kind of what it was built off of, or is it more behind the scenes on a week to week basis on the PGA Tour? But we see a lot more mentorship, and what I mean by that is, you know, guys like Olafabo passing them down the lineage sure. to, to Sergio, and then Sergio can pass it down to Rom, and mm-hmm. guys like Mike Weir grabbing the two Canadians and 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 doing that. Like we see a lot more of that. Uh, this week, I find than on any other week in in a busy PGA Tour schedule. Am I correct in saying that, or am I just missing something on the week to week basis? No, I I, I I agree with that. I think you are correct. I think because the you know, past champions um, are invited back and invited to play, they don't have to play, but they can, and they are visible and they are present and they can play practice rounds, whether they're playing in the tournament or not. Uh, they can still go out on the golf course and play practice rounds and. Uh, it, you always want to have those mentors run. There's so much to know about Augusta national. It's very, very difficult, uh, to learn in one year, uh, and learn on your own. Like you can go to, you know, any other event and you can kind of get what's going on. Augusta national is very different. And anytime, any type of knowledge that you can soak in, uh, the better off you're going to be. So for, you know, the Canadians, uh, you know, Corey Connors to, to seek out Mike Weir, um, to, to the, you know, the, the Latins or the Spaniards to seek out, uh, Sergio or Jose Maria or, you know, whoever it might be. Um, anybody that's, you know, I, I saw Colin Morikawa today talking with, with Mark O'Mara on the uh, tournament practice area. Um, you know, not that Colin needs any help, but he, he's, he, Marco Mara has got a lot of knowledge around yep. there. So, and a, lot, any, hell of a and, hell of a lot of success around there, too. Absolutely. So yeah. anytime that you can um, gather all that information and put that in your little encyclopedia between your ears, uh, the better off you're going to be and the more comfortable you are down, down the stretch. But I think um, I, I would like to see more of that maybe to, you know, Younger players, they have their mentor, they have their coaches, they have their swing coaches, they have, and they're all great people, and they work with these kids, and they've been working with them since they were young. Uh, I I had Ken Venturi in my in my my court, yeah. Uh, but I also he told me also go play practice rounds with Raymond Floyd, go play practice rounds with Tom Weiskopf, get Watson, you know, go play practice rounds, you know, with these great players to find out what, you know, because I can't be there every single week. You know, go go seek them out, and I think that's a little bit of a lost art uh, right now. To, to to be quite honest, you you would think that um, a lot more players would would you know try to find the older older generation on you know who was a really good wedge player and what do I need to know about wedges? What do I need to know about you know coming down the stretch and trying to you know when my my mind is racing, my body is racing, and I, I can't think clearly. You know, what do I need to do down the stretch? Um, well, you know, your, your, your swing coach probably can't help you because they probably haven't been in that situation. Yeah, that's right. So why not seek out the knowledge of somebody else that has been there and what they did? Uh, there's a lot of great, great players around that, uh, would, would love to help at some point. So, and I think that's why you see that at Augusta because there are all the greats that are still, you know, able to, to be around are there for that week. Go yeah. find, go, go sit down with Raymond Floyd, go sit down with somebody else, uh, you know, one of the great players and pick their brain a little bit, ask them some questions. They'd love to help you out. Yeah, no, for sure. 
John, you're always so gracious with your time. Thanks so much again for uh, for coming on again on on uh, short notice and and uh, you know short uh, time since we had you on last. It's uh, as always. I feel like we could chat for forever here, but uh, I know you've got uh, some surgeries and some some rehab ahead of you. So I uh, I wish you the best of luck in your Appreciate recovery and, and everything. And um, let's keep in touch and uh, enjoy the Masters. Enjoy the week, and we'll talk soon. I'll be watching every second I can, and it's always a pleasure being with you, Stephen. I really appreciate you having me. Thank you. All right, Triple G listeners, let's give a warm welcome back to the show for a second time, which means he must have enjoyed his first visit. But uh, good to have him on on Masters Week. I know he's excited for it, and uh, he's my namesake, Stephen Tiedorf. Well, Stephen, welcome back to the show. Uh, big, big week, Masters Week. I know you're pumped. Welcome in. Thanks. Uh, nice to nice to be back. I must have said something right to get an invite back, or desperation was getting uh, deep on Masters Week. But happy to be here with, as you mentioned, fellow Stefan. Always nice uh, to chat with you. No, it's it's never desperation with you. My friend. <laughs> always always a pleasure, and uh, you know you do have a tough act to follow. You know I'm not going to lie to you. We were just uh, finished chatting with with Jay Delsing and, and uh, John Cook. So um, it's a, it's a big, uh, as we always do here on, on triple G, we do a big masters preview and um, happily to have you involved and um, excited to have you here and kind of kick off or end off as we call it on this segment, the back nine here of Augusta week. So why not? Let's get into it. We talked about it uh, at the start of the show with, with Jay about Augusta becoming a little bit of a, a bomber's paradise, if you will. And we look at this field of, of 90 guys and Stefan, how many of these guys can truly win in your mind? I mean, actually it's funny. I was, I was scrolling through TikTok today cause you know, wasting my time. And I came across this guy that was going through um, the master's picks and he was using, making his decision based on data and, and what he believes is the data. And, and to, uh, to break it down, he, the last 10 winners of this tournament mm-hmm. uh, were all within the top 25 of the official world golf rankings. So all 25 guys are in there. So if that is the case, like we can cut it down to, let's say 25, pretty realistically, let's call it 26 because there's one guy in there that uh, you never, <laughs> I don't care where he's at in the world ranking. That's um, right. You, you can't come out. So I, I roughly say kind of 26 in there. There's still guys in that, you know, official world golf ra- uh, ranking there that like, you know, do you really expect to win? Like, I, I actually have no idea where a guy like Will Zalatoros is in the world official golf ranking right now. Um, but like, I feel like last year had to be, you know, uh, fluke a little bit considering how poor he can be putting at times. So, I mean, realistically, 25 guys, I would say, if you if you made me give you a number. Yeah, for sure. And then, you know, you can, I'm sure within that that range, you could probably, like you said, pare down and, and truly get this thing inside of probably 20 when we when we get to a get to a final number, right? Exactly. I mean, that's, that being said, like, for every time you can get it down, there's always a Danny Willett that's going to come in there and, and surprise you. Now, that being like even Danny Willett, though, was in the top 20 of uh, the official world golf rankings when he uh, when he won his Masters. I think he was 19th at the time. He was coming off a couple wins in Dubai um, and, and some pretty big wins and playing really good. And for the non, you know, general public no one knew who Danny Willett was but for you know hardcore golf fans who get up every morning and watch uh, the European tour everyone knew 
do I expect that to happen this year? No, but like, you know, how's the weather looking right now? The the worst thing that could happen, I think, is uh, is another wet masters. And, and the even worse thing that could happen is another Zach Johnson coming in and, and stealing, stealing a major from us. Yeah. You know what? And, and you, you, it, I'll get to that kind of uh, down the road. I had one little other question in there for you. You mentioned you mentioned putting. Um, what do you feel is needed around this golf course? Um, and I know it's tough because like you said there, you know, the weather can change and they are expecting some, some more uh, precipitation later on in the week here, which chance at some thunder showers and some cool mornings on, on Friday and Saturday morning where it's into the, the mid to low forties. So, you know, it could be a little advantageous for us, for the Canadians in the, uh, the three Canadians in the field, but in terms of um, overall play, you know, is it going to be, guys who are driving the ball well is it going to be the iron play is it going to be the short game guy you mentioned a guy like zach johnson i'd mentioned to um jay delsing earlier i kind of feel like augustus kind of phased out of that mike weir zach johnson type of winner now and it's it's exactly like you said it's the the big boys of the group that are truly you know taking this thing down but what do you feel by the time the green jackets handed out on sunday you know kind of long-winded question you know, what's going to be the key to winning this golf tournament? I really think the last time we've seen winners here, they've they've hit a lot of greens in regulation. When they don't, they're going to be scrambling well. And then three-putting, if you three-putt against the National, you're done, right? Yeah. I don't think, like, as a matter of what statistician uh, you chat with, like, they're going to – you watch a couple Masters, you know you're not winning the Masters if you are if you have a bunch of three-putts. So uh, I think the guys that are going to hit greens are going to matter. And that's why, you know, people didn't love the – the masters with Dustin Johnson, it was so soft that everyone was hitting greens and, you know, would, if everyone's hitting greens, Dustin Johnson's, you know, going to hit them even more than you are and he's going to run away with it. So I, I think that's more what I'm looking at this week is, does that continue? I'm not that worried about the driving stuff like Hideki. He's, I don't know where he is actually right now in, in driving, but I believe last year from like a total driving standpoint on the week, um, like, I think he was like in the eighties. Like he wasn't up there in terms of like the best driver of the week last year. If, if, uh, if I'm, if I'm uh, not mistaken. Yeah. If I'm remembering correctly there. So like, I I actually don't really worry about it. It's not the longest course either. I know they've changed some things, but they've also changed it in a way where like 11, for example, where that was a hole where you needed to be able to drive it straight and accurate where now like it ended up being just like a par it was a, it was a par four and a half right like birdies yep. are so rare that they they've changed the hole i know the right side's a little bit open if you go back to the t- 2019 uh tiger woods was kind of over there he's always over there he found a w- he always finds a way at the right of 11 but like that's a hole that i believe they even added more yardage to it this year yep. uh, i think they added 30 more yards and and so that those are there's a couple holes out there where it matters, but then you look at a couple of the par fives, right? Like you look at 13, you know, guys are going going for that with a, a three wood and whatever in their hand, a mid iron, exactly, seven, right? Yeah, so five, six, seven, yeah. I, I think it's it it is a golf course where it's like it does. I don't think it necessarily matters. You're going to see some guys out there this week with some of these you know downhills uh, that run away that are going to hit drives where you're like. You know, I, I'm just going to keep digging into Zach Johnson because I, I just hate that he ever won a Masters. And I don't, I think Zach Johnson's a good guy, but I just, 
do not love watching him play golf. But a Zach Johnson this week might throw a 350-yard drive out there, right? And people are like, whoa, what's going on? And it's just because, hey, if it's dry enough, he catches the right downhill on, say, like the second hole, right? He might he might poke one out there. So um, I actually don't I, – I, I'm a – I'm – I don't disagree with you, but I don't think that's what I'm looking for this week from a from a bomber's paradise. I'm definitely looking more into the the irons could get it done, which is which is why there's a, a name that we're gonna get to in a bit. I know you want to get to him at some point. There's a name out there where if the irons are what matters, then uh, you can't count this guy out. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, in terms of the the changes on the golf course, you know they're always so so subtle around Augusta, and I know you mentioned the one on on eleven in terms of the green sides and, and what happens there, but you know, there's new green complexes on three and I believe uh, 13 and 15. So I'm excited for, to see those changes and how they, what they've done there in terms of, um, you know, affecting the slope, maybe on the greens or what's, uh, I don't know, on 11, they've kind of steepened those, uh, those hills on the right hand side and, and made a little bit more of a depression. So if you do miss the green, right, it'll be a little bit more of that traditional tougher up and down if you will. But um, in terms of stories around Augusta, do you, I, I, I've asked this both to John and to, to Jay. Um, do you think this masters is going to miss Phil Mickelson? I think Phil Mickelson needs to send Tiger Woods a nice, case of wine uh this week because he has taken come all the negative publicity of him not being there why he isn't there is he suspended completely away have you like has phil's name come up much this week because tiger nope. i haven't seen it on twitter i haven't seen it on the golf channel it's tiger 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 this guy moves the needle better than anyone so like i do i do i think they it'll miss it i actually think that would have been an even better storyline. And I, and I, I've said for a while when we were doing the T talk podcast of flexlick.com that I always felt Phil had another major in him. And if it was going to be one, it would be Augusta. And I, I still, you know, maybe I don't know how long he's off right now. Like, is he going to be off for six months? Is he coming back soon? You have no idea. Like the longer he's off, the, the less likely I see that happening, but it is one of those courses where a guy like Phil, the right week, you know, the right up and downs at the right time and the right putter, like, he could win. He he's done it before. He'll do it again. Yep. So I, I do think, I do think he'll miss it, but having tiger there, I think just makes it so much easier that people aren't really going to worry about Phil. I, where we might come to it, come issues with is if somehow, you know, tiger misses the cut and then the, you know, then the weekend where where's Phil, where's those old stories, right? Like we, we can only go on the, like how many former champions in the field this week are, are really that relevant uh, outside That's of say right. DJ and Jordan Spieth, um, uh, Hideki, obviously like a couple of the more recent ones. So yeah. Uh, and, the, yeah. And, and you're bang, you're bang on Stefan too. And especially if you get a, you know, and I'm not to, to pick on him, but a Min Woo Lee guy um, who's leading, and maybe he's up by three, four, five shots, you know, probably unlikely. But if you get somebody like that, an unknown into the lead, Tiger misses the cut, what's the juicier headline? Uh, you know, Tiger's story's kind of fading off, and it's a nice story, It's and they're, they're phasing that out as they move into the weekend. And you know for a fact that that Phil story's getting brought up um, at some point in time because it's, it's just a – a juicy, easy, low-hanging fruit headline, right? One hundred percent. Like, and I think what you're highlighted is is the perfect. Like, I've talked about this before. How we do such a terrible job of of uh, not um, 
celebrating our, you know, our, our Japanese, our Korean players on the tour that are our superstars. And, and even just thinking about the masters last year, what, what like coming down that final stretch, what do you remember the most? Um, do you remember what Hideki did at all? Or do you, or do you think back and go, Oh man, Xander Shoffley blew it on the 16th. 100%. Hole. <laughs> as, soon as, as soon as you mentioned that my mind immediately, and we had not talked about this before, but as soon as you mentioned that, my mind immediately went to Xander Shoffley on the 16th hole. Yeah, because everybody loves watching that guy. He was ball striking. Like everyone thought he's gonna he's he's one back at this point. He's he's can hit this. He you know pulls it one in the water, and then it's the stories of like he'll never win a major if he keeps playing like this. Yada yada yada. Like he chokes in the biggest moments. And I like I literally I don't remember anything Hideki did because it was just kind of ho hum, you know steady as he usually is yeah like it's just a steady golfer on the way through so um yeah it's that's what i think would end up happening right is that our memories of the masters if if we get somebody say uh you know i don't want to keep hammering (laughs) on your guy here but uh you know someone someone like i I, give me a like a justin rose right justin rose (laughs) or one of the englishmen that are just kind of like you said steady eddie boring like What's what's the headline going to be with Rose? Oh, he wins his second major. Like, okay, yeah, All or right. like a a, a Yokin Neiman. Like, does that yep. excite anybody? Him coming down the stretch, or you know, like um, you know Brian Harmon. Like, oh god, mm-hmm. don't I, mm-hmm. do I hate lefty short golfers or something that are bald? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> just attacking Brian Harmon uh, and uh, Zach Johnson today, but yeah. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. Like, I hope that isn't the case. I really think we're going to see some guys, you know, in that top 25 mix. Um, I'm really excited. This is going to feel like the first real Masters. I know last, last year, the, the second of the two of the season or whatever, the 2021 one, we we did have more of a crowd. But this, like, have you the, did you see the pictures of, of Tiger's practice oh, rounds? Unbelievable. Unbelievable, isn't it? It was, it was insane. Like, I don't know yeah. how, like it's almost anxiety inducing that many people and this that's what this guy's used to for it's a practice round and and we're talking 40 50 deep i actually saw on golf channel today they said something great like it's augusta national is the only golf course where you want to be in front of tiger because you're not allowed to run at augusta national right like you can't run ahead and and, and get the guys off uh off the game while they're waiting for tiger so um yeah i i it's it's crazy. It's gonna be awesome. It's so awesome to see those big crowds and hear those roars this week. Yeah, and and I think if correct me if I'm wrong, but I think his good pal Justin's maybe a group or two behind him. So being behind him might be the the spot that might be tough because it could be people could be shifting and sliding and trying to, you know, th- like you said, they're not gonna run, but they're still gonna try to keep a long tiger as they follow along hole by hole right yeah what are your thoughts on justin thomas he's a he's one like a huge question mark for me coming in this week is like he's he's the second best odds to win i don't know why i know he's been playing decent of late but he's never really shown me anything at this tournament that makes me remember what what are you thinking on uh justin thomas you know what i think he's a slip is a sneaky good pick i think from even from rom's press conference today you know about making the little dig at, at Tiger and Justin in terms of, you know, Justin being the only one that is allowed to pick Tiger's brain. And, you know, he gets the dissertation uh, on how to play uh, around Augusta and, and certain golf courses. And, and you've heard Justin even this week uh, come out in a, in a podcast mentioning uh, 
you know, when, when Tiger's playing, he doesn't give me a whole lot. When he's not playing, I'm, I'm able to pick his brain a little bit more. Listen, I like him around here, and it's to me, he he can shape the ball, and I I know whether I don't know, I can't remember just off the top of my brain if it was last year or the year before. I think it would have been the year before when it would that the Masters was in in that November, and he was right there, and he hit that little couple little snap hooks on those slinger holes on on thirteen. He was trying to sling one, and I believe he did it the next day on on ten down in towards Butler cabin. Um, I think he's got the game to, to do it around here. And I think with, by being with tiger, he's, I, I don't necessarily know if that's the correct preparation for him. You know, you listen to guys like Rory talk about how it's nice that tiger's here and, and the crowds are 15, 20 deep and, and Rory can just hang out at the range by himself and then sneak off the back nine and, you know, have a peaceful nine hold by himself. Well, you know, the front nine's going buck wild with the, you know, thousands of fans for, for, for Tiger and Freddie and JT. So I'm not sure about the preparation week leading up to it in terms of always being around that circus, but maybe he's trying to get himself ready knowing that he was probably going to be somewhere close to Tiger or it was a possibility that he was going to be close to Tiger within the course of the week. Um, so trying to get himself ready for that. But I think he's, I think he's primed and I think he's, you know, I think there's a reason why he's the second best betting favorite, and I don't think people should necessarily shy away from that. I really don't. I uh, I I love your thought process. I don't know if that's where his thought is of the, actually doing that and of how he's preparing, but uh, I love that thought. Um, and I, I love that you brought up Rory McIlroy because here's another guy that if he finally gets that that final uh, nail in his uh, in his coffin to complete uh, the the career grand slam. He'll, he'll also have to thank Tiger where, cause none of the questions like Rory, it's all about Tiger this week for all these guys. It feels like completely the pressure is off of him right now. And, and this is a guy that pretty much is almost a guarantee of a top 10 every single time he comes to Augusta. I believe he's more than 50% has a yep. uh, top 10 when he's gone. He's made, missed the cut a couple times, but whatever, you know, that's, that's pretty much, you got to be insanely off your game to miss the cut at, at, at Augusta. So another guy where, you know, 21 to one is too high to, for Rory. He's, he's one of those guys where anytime it's above 21, there's a ton of value in that for Rory. So he's one of those guys, as I mentioned, you, you, if it's about 20 to one, it's a ton of value, find a book, find the best odds, take it. And maybe who knows, maybe Rory at the end of the week's thanking tiger as well. Sending a case of whatever he wants over to tiger for showing up this week. That's right. Stefan, we've talked about, you know, with, with Tiger, and we'll get more into it here shortly, but do you think this week that we could have a, you know, I know Phil's not going to be involved, but if Tiger's in contention and, he, and he's inside the top eight and, and we come to Sunday and he's he's right there in, into the back nine at Augusta, do you think we can have a passing of the torch in terms of if a, a Hovland or a Morikawa or um, one of these young gum, guns comes up and, and wins this event and tigers right there will we see that and remember that as kind of the passing of the torch or do you feel that we've got to wait a little bit longer here in 2022 to see you know 
how Tiger performs in these majors. Because by the looks of it, with him playing here, and I know it's going to be a reduced schedule, he's pretty much gearing up for, you know, six to eight events a year, including those, you know, especially specializing in these majors, right? Yeah, I mean, isn't that kind of the normal for this guy nowadays anyway? Like, regardless of the injury, he said, like, oh, I'll play a reduced schedule. He's like, the guy's played the majors and then, like, three or four other events for whatever, five, six, seven years, like, wherever his biggest – uh wherever he's getting his biggest uh, offer, I guess, to go play in some of these overseas tournaments. So um, I, I don't think, I, I don't think anybody will want to do that yet. I think with him showing up, it's such an excitement because of the, the way that happened. I, it would be such a shame if, if it doesn't go well, if he does miss the cut, as I mentioned, you gotta be so off for that. Um, I, a good buddy of mine, actually, they played a, a practice round with him this week and he said, you know, this guy did not miss a shot. Um, he like the iron game is so good. So I expect him to be in, but I, I don't expect the narrative to come out of like, we've passed the torch on for, for these other guys. Um, would it be exciting as ever to see a battle between like, as you mentioned, like a him and a Morikawa on Sunday, or like a him and a Hovland on Sunday, that, that would be, that would be so good. And like you mentioned Hovland, is there a guy that would have a bigger smile on their face putting getting the green jacket than him like nobody looks like he enjoys golf and, and winning golf tournaments more than victor hovland so i love that you mentioned that name but i just hope it's it's not tied into the passing of the torch yet and i don't think tiger wants it to be wants it to be that either i think i think once those storylines that came up of like oh he's gonna take his final his final british open this year and finally walk over the hogan bridge and all this stuff i think that, that probably fired up i was like no no i rate that narrative not you and i think that's just another thing in his head where he's like this guy probably thinks he 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 wants to be the oldest winner of a major now you think he wants phil to have that i i just don't see this happening and i i really hope that isn't the narrative at the end of the week unless for some reason he's like hey by the end of the week, I, I don't know if I could ever play another tournament again because of this leg. Yeah, you're right. And he's, he's got a little like Tom Brady-esque to him, right? And they're both kind of that those same athletes that will use, you know, Michael Jordan was the same. They'll use absolutely any any little nook and cranny and, and you know, punchline, tagline, something somebody said, uh, something in the media, something written, anything to just motivate them. Um, you know, when you think that they they – you know, have no reason to be motivated. They find a find a way, and you're right. I think the fire still burns there. You don't you don't put in put in the amount of work that he's put in just the, even this week alone, let alone all the work to to recover and get back to just kind of let that fade away um, at 46 years old and and just kind of fade into the sunset at this point. I think you're right. I think he's back for a reason. And I mentioned this um, last week on the podcast too, in the lead up when with the jet and they were falling along. I said the same thing. If he's getting on that jet to come up here and prepare, he's playing in this damn masters. And, and uh, here we are on, on Tuesday night and he's, he's going to play. So, and he's, and he's playing to win. Like, I, That's like right. even when they did that, that father son tournament, Tiger Woods doesn't show up to that unless he thinks he can win. I know it's like for his kid and his kid had a great time. He likes to needle Justin Thomas. No, this guy wants to win. He does not want to be embarrassing. This is, this is who this guy is. So um, I agree. I, I think the crazy, I found a line at some point earlier this week where you could get a uh, plus uh, plus 200 on, on Tiger Woods to make the cut. 
And I was like, <laughs> okay. I like yeah. hammered it. Like, why yeah. wouldn't, like, what are you talking about? Two to one for this guy to, to win the cut or whatever. So I guess that's plus 100. I apologize. But like, just stupid. Like the, he's, if there's no way this guy's missing the cut, like that would, it would just be the worst ending to the, the week of like such excitement. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's anything you and I can add that hasn't been said about this guy this week. I can't wait. I'm ready. I'm going to, gonna book my meetings for work around this uh this him teeing off uh, this week I, I, i'm i'm getting really excited the more and more we talk about it uh for sure so let's close it off last question before we let you go here who do you like this week who who are your picks who are you who are you keeping your eye on this week yeah so i got four picks for you um i'll kind of go i'm gonna go backwards on them into like you know, higher odds guys. And then up to yep. like some of the favorites that I feel like we're, we're just not talking about. And I think again, we've mentioned tiger more than anybody. Um, but like a lot of these guys are going under the radar because tiger's coming back. So my, my first guy that I, I want to bring up is, is, is T- Terrell Hatton. Um, this Love is a it. guy that I believe you can get him somewhere in the 50 to one odds. Let me, let me lock that in. So you actually have a number of folks that are listening. Uh, I can't find it either way. Somewhere in there um oh 56 to one like that's that's good money right uh number one in shots game putting this year you need to be able to do that at augusta he destroys the par fives again that's where you got to make your money at augusta you got to basically birdie if you birdie every single par five the week you're gonna be you're gonna be in the mix right so he does that i believe he's top eight uh in in par five scoring this year so watch out for him those odds seem too high it's for him it's just keeping uh his head in place and like you know, you don't throw clubs into the water at, at Augusta national. Right. So, cause then you don't get invited back. So I think uh, he'll, he'll keep his cool. Um, really looking after uh, looking at Terrell this week as, as my first one. Any thoughts? There? Love that pick. Love that pick. I've got him locked in. I actually had him before tiger's odds. It's tigers had, you know, announced it and the odds have kind of changed since then, but I've, I locked him in uh, two days ago. I had him at 46 to one and I still like that number. Even if it was below 50, I think it's still good value. Above 50, listeners, it's definitely worth even an each-way bet. I think that guy's going to be a lock for uh, for a top 10 and inside the top five, which uh, on most books you can still cast with an each-way bet. Yeah, and he, so he's, uh, yeah, he's, I believe, he's in the top 25 of the world official golf yep. rankings. Um, the next guy, I got, I, I got to give love to Canadian. Uh, you know, I like to call him a friend. I don't know if he would agree with it or not, but I'll let it go. Uh, Corey Connors. Um, love it too. This guy finished T8 last year, T10 the year before. This is his fourth time playing as a professional. Uh, third in greens and regulation. If I believe greens and regulation are the way to get it done, this guy's good. Gonna, this guy hits greens he doesn't miss greens and that's why when you look at things like his scrambling percentage being a little lower well like you know people might not really totally understand how data works he doesn't miss a green so when he does he doesn't get it up and down is it looks awful on him right so he's like yep. um so that really for him it just comes down to the putter if he can find a hot putter and his and his ball striking matches up with it like he's shown he can do it the last couple of years. He's been right there. So I don't know how he, he can't be right there. I think it's almost, let's go for three Pete on the top 10, but like, you know, let's make it happen. Let's get another Canadian major winner. Uh, maybe there's your passing of the torch uh, from Mike Weir to Corey Connors. Maybe that's the story we want to be talking about next week. Yeah. I love it. We had uh, his coach on actually uh, about three weeks ago on the podcast, Derek Ingram. Loved it. And, and, um, 
talked about the Masters getting ready for it. And by the sounds of it, Derek and Corey are ready to go for this Masters. So love that pick as well. Derek is probably like so underrated in what he does, right? And I think he he's so tied to the Canadian national team, right? And all the coaching he does there. And I don't know how much work he does with, you know, professionals, but I I, I actually walked nine holes one time with uh with the Canadian national team at uh, the Canadian Open. And and watching the craft that this guy does, like how he coaches and how he leads and and literally the craft, it's a craft the way he does it. And just watching it's just a practice round. It's a Tuesday practice round that they're just walking around the golf course, how he talked to one player versus another and how, you know, one player, he was t- telling them what to do. The other players asked them questions like that's a coach, right? Like through and through. And then he can break it down from a technical standpoint better than, you know, just any put him up against anybody. So uh, I didn't think I was going to go on the uh, kudos train for my, my guy DI there, but he deserves it. So I know him no are going to be prepared this week. Um, my third guy here, um, Cam Smith, uh, again, this guy scrambles his lights out. He destroys par fives. He puts like crazy. He's got the flow, nothing like the, the mullet should have strokes gained for having a mullet, like number one, obviously but <laughs> that like in the green jacket would look so good. I hope he's, I don't know if he's rocking the stash this week too, but like, that going on forever in history of him with the mullet and the stash and the green jack would, would make me so happy. Uh, love Ken could, Smith. Love could you kids. not see him firing up the barbecue down at Butler cabin with a beer, with a beer in his hand, the fellow, the other fellow five Australians down there, skewers on the Barbie. Just having a, a wicked old time. Like oh, absolutely. Gotta love Cam Smith. Uh, the, the buddy I mentioned earlier, he, he caddies for, um, uh, Cam Davis, who's a yep. fellow Australian, and, and my right. buddy's Andrew Shuden. Um, and yeah, they would, the, the Aussies, you know, they know how to have a good time. So uh, I, I think Cam Smith's due for a major at some point. If it's not this one, watch out for him. I like a US Open interests me for him. He's just such a grinder. He's always in a good headspace. But uh, I, I, another guy that is flying under the radar because of Tiger for sure and easily could get it done and, and no one would be surprised. hundred percent. Best, best clutch putter in the world right now in my mind. Yeah. I mean, Terrell Hatton might uh, fight beyond that right now, but you know, he isn't winning at the same clip that uh, Cameron Smith is. So uh, you know what? I, I can't even, I can't even argue. Yeah. Okay. My last one here for you. Um, is there a guy that picked up, multiple wins how many wins did he win last year let's call it three including a tour championship that is coming into the first major season with like the least amount of storylines on him and that's patrick Cantlay. like did we just forget what this guy did <laughs> in 2020 and 2021 um and he also just lost like he lost he's, he's still on fire he just lost in a playoff at, at the waste management it's to scotty Scheffler, right like so good um i i I 23 to one, another one of those guys where it's like, if you're getting over 21 odds on him, you just got to take him. Uh, Patrick Cantley deserves to be in the mix. I'm, I'm looking at him. Uh, would love to see his ball strike in the mix. I know he plays slow. I wish he would just rub in the sunscreen. You know, the whole nose covered in white sunscreen is just an awful look. He looks like, um, Mark Zuckerberg on that like surfboard <laughs> all the time. It's just a terrible look and I hate it. And I've chirped him for years for it. But like, 
I don't know how we're forgetting about this guy and how he's just kind of flying under the radar this week. Yeah, we talked with uh, talked with John Cook about him too. Uh, John's actually quite involved with with Patrick in terms of advice and mentorship, and he's he's you know talking a lot with John. So I know John uh, is big on Cantley, and and you know what, from from you to John to to even us, I I, I have to agree that Cantley's a guy like you said, completely flying underneath the radar here. And would not be surprised if he's, uh, you know, if he doesn't get it done, he's, I think he's a guaranteed lock for a top, top five, if not top three in my mind, I think he's going to be right there come Sunday. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I didn't actually think about this guy, but Brooks Kapka doesn't like when the spotlight's not on him either. So, uh, I, I'm really hoping for a big leaderboard this week. I really hope for it. Who who's the dark horse though? Who's the guy that's gonna stick out like a sore thumb on the on the on the leaderboard this week? That's a good question. I got a guy that I that I like, a fellow Aussie. He's won here before. He's been playing some decent golf. I think he you know, I got, I caught him at fifty three to one, uh, like I said when I put my lines down a couple of days ago. And he's probably now with the changed odds with Tiger officially, not officially, officially playing, but, you know, 99.9% in. Um, I, I think Adam Scott is going to be there. I got a sneaky feeling that he's he dri- he's driving the ball well. Um, I know I know we've talked about it not being huge, but at least it gets him in position. Irons are sharp. You know, like you said, if you can find a way, just he's to me, he reminds me of, of, of a Corey Connors. If you can just find a way to make a few putts, I think he can be there come Sunday. His putter is the size of a driver laying down. <laughs> it's It's got to be 46 inches wide. Yeah. It's insane. That thing, you know, I don't know who makes it, but that might be one of the ugliest putters I've ever seen in my life. But he's been putting way better outside yep. of that, that miss he had to win the, uh, that five for one that playoff. I don't know when at the end of last year, early this year. I don't know if you remember that. That was yep. disgusting. But yeah, yeah. I think that that's hurt. a good one. Um, I'm gonna throw a name at you that watch him out. Just this name will shock a lot of people when he's when he pops up on the leaderboard this week. But I, I see it happening. Um, I got two names for you. Robert McIntyre. Lefties love this place. Yeah. Um, yeah, I could see him on the leaderboard at some point there, uh, kind of in sneaky top 10, just hanging around. Um, and then Eric Van Royen, watch out for the mustache this week. He ain't smashing, um, smashing T markers at, uh, at Augusta National like he did at the PGA last year. So a couple names <laughs> I think are going are gonna to break up your, your dream leaderboard this week. Uh, nothing wrong with that. Stefan, that was an absolute pleasure as usual. Uh, great breakdown, great chat. Uh, what a way to close out our Masters preview show. Thanks again for coming on. And uh, all I can say is enjoy your week. It's Masters week. Have a great time. Don't work too hard and watch a lot of golf. Sounds good. You too, Stefan. I appreciate uh, you asked me to come on and welcome to come back uh, anytime you give me a call. Beautiful. All right, folks. Hope you enjoyed our Masters preview. There's only one other way to close this thing out. And that's with my picks. Um, I was able to uh, make a little bit of money in the March Madness tournament. Still had a few left in the old few uh, units left in the slush fund, so I've got a few picks down. I'll give you my six picks. We're going major week, so I'll give you a couple more. Um, can't find a winner starting from the bottom now. We here, so we're going to start with the big guns, and I'll give you two of them. Um, we'll start with uh, my number one big gun playing in his seventh Masters. He's never finished outside the top forty. Uh, 2019 T12, fourth into 2020, and T21 on a tiny bit of an off week or off year last year, 
um, right there over the course of two rounds. Struggled on the weekend last year. 12-1 to 1 on your money. I like him for an outright bet for 10 units, and that's Justin Thomas. I think with playing with Tiger, I talked. you heard me talk about it with Stefan. I think he's prepared for the crowds. He's prepared for the raucous of this 86 Masters with the big cat being back. And uh, I like Justin Thomas. Fifth, playing in his fifth Masters, kind of threw this thing away. We talked about it last year, but listen, um, T30 in 2018, T2 in 2019, T17 in 2020, and T3 last year, um, 22 to 1, over 20 to 1. How could you not like Xander Shoffley? Um, at 22 to 1, don't be afraid to put down an each way on that well as well. That's um, That's got enough odds to cover your... Uh, units for almost the entire week for for everything depending on how much you put down to my rock steadies i think um you know we're talking about this i don't think this this week is going to be somebody from the outside of the pack i think it's going to be somebody that we know a name that uh, is familiar to us and possibly could be even um, somebody that we've seen win before or definitely have contended here on numerous occasions Playing in his 14th Masters at 40 to 1. Listen, he's been inside the top 29 in seven out of the last eight eight Masters events. T12 in 2018, T29 in 2019, T22 in 2020, and T21 in 2021. Louis Oosthuizen. Now, don't like his pairing. If he can get through the first two rounds and he's in contention, look out. Um... But he's gonna have if he's gonna go ahead and contend here and be uh, the winner. He's gonna have a very busy, busy week. He's gonna see a lot of people around. But I think Louis got the demeanor and the attitude to be able to handle that pairing with the big cat with Tiger. And uh, I suspect I don't think it's gonna phase him at all. I think that smooth as butter golf swing and an improved putter over the last couple seasons. Louis Oosthuizen is gonna be here come the come the weekend. Uh, we heard, we talked about this guy with Stefan, and it's um, it's not the six inches on on the greens or off of the tee. It's the six inches in between his brain. And at fifty to one, playing his, in his seventh Masters, um, he's rock solid. He he's trending up here. Didn't have a good start uh, in terms of playing the golf course well. T forty four and and T fifty six in eighteen and nineteen. Didn't play in twenty twenty, and then T eighteen last year. I think he's kind of figured out how to play Augusta, how to deal with some of these bounces and some of these uh, nooks and crannies that are out there. Yes, I didn't use the word nuances, but um, I think he's trending up. I think he's having a good, solid year, and that's Tyrrell Hatton. I think he's going to be able to putt well here. He's a good iron player when he's on. Look out for Tyrrell Hatton. How could you not? T46 in 19, T, uh, T10 in 2020, T8 in 2021, back-to-back top 10s, playing in his fifth Masters, so he's got enough experience around the golf course now. He's picked Mike Weir's brain on numerous occasions. His game is prime and ready to go, coming off a good, solid Dell, another good, solid Valero Texas Open. Um, Corey Connors got to got to put the red and uh, the maple leaf on there for sure. And he's at fifty to one, definitely on all of these rock steadies from Louis at forty to one to uh, Tyrrell and Corey at uh, at fifty to one. Definitely recommend him putting the each way on there. In case they get in contention and fall a little bit short, at least you've uh, you've got a cash. If you can get a couple in the top five, even top eight on Bet365 because it's a major, uh, you'll be able to cover yourself and make uh, make a few units as well. And then my long shot, 56 to 1 he's up to now, playing in his 21st Masters. Only missed two cuts here ever. 
So he's going to be around. Um, he had a dominant run from 2010 to 2014 here. He won in 13 outright. He's found a better putter. Yes, he didn't play well over the last couple of years here, but still 2019, he was T18. I like Adam Scott. You've heard me talk about it. I think he's driving the ball extremely, extremely well. I think he's learning how to putt again with these new putters. I like Adam Scott. Folks, if you haven't had the opportunity already, check out uh, the Masters app. It is absolutely phenomenal. It's got everything you need. So download that to stay tuned. Masters.com is going to keep you updated all week. Tune in with us. We're going to have a live Instagram show on Saturday night um, leading into the Masters final round. We'll check out the leaderboard, how the golf course is playing, and I'll give you my thoughts on Instagram live Saturday night. Join us 8 p.m. live on Instagram. Love to get your comments, feedbacks, questions on what I feel is going to happen. So excited about that for the Masters week. Join us next week. We've got Joe Marino coming on from the Draft Network, Locked On Bills podcast. We're going to transition a little bit away from golf here as we've gone heavy over the last four weeks in golf. Back to football in our lead up to the NFL draft and some of the trades that have happened recently. Stefan Diggs signing and a lot more coming next week. But other than that, hope you enjoyed the Masters preview show. Hope this got you fully ready to go and jacked as you uh, this gets released Wednesday afternoon before the uh, first round commences on Thursday. Enjoy the Masters, folks. Watch a lot of golf this week. Don't do too much work, and we'll catch you next week. <laughs>